As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. James, it is a, a foggy day in Toronto, and these are foggy times, huh? You like that? Why? This this should be time for your optimism one. They just kicked butt last night. Okay, you, you can take that away if you want. Times are no longer foggy in Toronto, because Eric Shalgren is the savior. Okay, I gotta be honest, okay. James. Like, I'm a little, like, annoyed by the way our media has taken this like why can't it just be like a nice story for a night why can't that just be all it is Shulgren <laughs> he led the Vax Joe Lakers to the Swedish league title now will he lead the Leafs to the Stanley Cup let's see eh sure I mean you that's so? that's kind of the the way it's being taken a little bit like I don't know, man. Like, I don't know how you can watch. I I haven't seen. Go ahead. I haven't seen anyone anoint the guy as the next. I mean, no one. Most people had never even heard of the guy before. (laughs) You know, he came over this year. So I I think that um, the fan base is excited. And I mean, why not? It's it's a good story. I remember when it reminds me a little bit of when James Reimer came in and like literally no one. No one thought the guy could play. 
Like, I remember the, remember the skepticism around him and, you know, he came into the year as their fourth or the fifth goalie in the organization and they really just put him in out of desperation in the middle of the season. And it was basically a lost year at that point. And then he, I think he ran, ran off 20 wins over the last 29 games of the season or something like that. And, uh, He's still playing today, you know, and that was back. What, what year would that have been his first year? 2010 uh, or I think it was actually 2011, January. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that's what Shalgren's going to do here, but. Yeah. Let, gold, let's pump gold, the brakes, James. Sorry. I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not for any of that. Like goaltending gold is such a bizarre position that you get all things. You get like the Hamburglar and you get like David Ayers winning a game. And like, I mean, there's other examples in throughout NHL history of who knows? I mean, Shogren could win 10 in a row now. And Oh my God. <laughs> so you're doing it. God, like I'm going to have to go to off the podcast. I can't do this. No, but, I can't but, do but, this, man. Jonas, me, Come saying on. That, me saying that weird random things happen with goalies all the time is not me doing anything. You're, you're concocting a straw you, man. You are doing exactly what I You're concocting a straw man and then you're destroying it. No, on I'm the, not. On, on the air for... Yeah, if you, you watch that's, If you watch that game and watch the You know what a straw man argument is? It's when you create a, a false You're doing narrative. it. You're literally doing it. You're literally saying, who knows? Maybe he'll win 10 in a row. You're literally yeah. doing what I'm saying. Yeah, but what I'm saying, Jonas, is that random nonsense happens with goalies all the time. It doesn't mean – I think the key is just not to – I don't think the Leafs are going to get – the management's going to get caught up in any of this. I think that they're still going to try and add a goaltender here because the only – I don't know. Like, do you – where do you do – you, do you think that they should play Mrazek against Carolina and just, like, see if – like, is he run out of chances or do you run him back again? I mean, the deadline's fast approaching. Is there any – like, can he really rescue his position right now? Okay, so by the time people listen to this, we may know, or we probably will know the goalie. Uh, we're recording this before practice on Wednesday. I would start Mrazek. Like, this has to be Mrazek. Like, you could trade for a goalie, and then it doesn't have to be Mrazek. But you look ahead for the next few weeks, or however long. Like, we don't know when Jack Campbell's coming back. It, it kind of has to be him. I mean, if you watch that game that, that Shalgren pray, played... That was not like a comfortable game where he looks like an NHL goaltender. It just wasn't. Like the puck didn't go in, but like watch some of those saves. That was not and and listen, that's who he like he's he is what he is. I think it has to be Mrazic. I could see them saying, like, the guy got a shutout. Let's just start him again. But I kind of would take my money and run with it if I were them. You got your one start, you got Mrazic a break. I don't know. Like it, the thing is, like it's not like Mrazek has done anything to justify your belief. But what do you, I don't know what other option you really have. No, they got to go get somebody. I think. I think they got to add a goaltender. To be honest, like that. That's that's where my focus would be. Would be trying to bring someone else in here. And the funny thing is the timing of this too, right? Like there's not that much. If if Shogren like gets a shutout in the fifth game of the season or the fifteenth game of the season, it's like okay, well, let's let's play this guy a little bit and see what happens, but they don't really have time to mess around right now, right? Like they can't, they can't like wait and see if anything comes of this. Like the, there's too much riding on their season right now. Yeah. It's funny, James. Like I've been thinking a lot, obviously about their goaltending over the last few weeks. And it's like four weeks ago or whatever, three weeks ago, I was like, 
it, it, it kind of has to be these guys. And, and I ultimately came around to like, it has to be Campbell. Like, look at everything that's out there. If it's not flurry, you're basically just going sideways. And then it's like, well, Campbell gets hurt. Mrazic like implodes. It's like, I, I left that outdoor game thinking like they can't not do anything because if they leave it as is and it continues and it blows up their season, like how could you not look back if you're Kyle Dubas or whoever and say, how did we not address this when like there was like a five alarm fire going off that there was something wrong. But like, so I kind of think you just, even if it's a sideways move, I, I think you have to do it. I just don't know what that move is. Like you, well, I, you just, you bring in another guy who, you increase the odds that I mean the big turning point is that Campbell gets hurt and you don't know when exactly he's going to be back and they're saying minimum two weeks but you know it could be a situation where he's not back until relatively close to when the playoffs start so to me that that screams that you got to go get somebody else yeah that's the way it feels to me but so like what is so you went through some of the candidates some of them have have even been crossed off since like Braden Holpe it doesn't look like he's getting traded so like is there one guy Besides Flurry, like is there are there any of those sideways options that you're like, yeah, I guess why not? Well, I mean, I think any having any other option than just trying to ride Morazic for another month makes sense. Like it doesn't even necessarily have to be the best option in the world. Like, yeah, are they they just can't just competent basically? Well, I mean, they're just hoping that someone gets hot and plays well. Like, I mean, like even if you trade for. Vigmelka or Anton Forsberg or you know I <clears throat> the list that we had of goalies Holtby was number two Flurry was number one Flurry I don't think is going to say yes uh, Reimer's been hurt in San Jose he just came back I believe he played yesterday and lost Reimer would be okay <laughs> to use to use a phrase that's been used okay. in the past. Yeah, he was option number three. Option number four on our list was Anton Forsberg, who's been been good for Ottawa. Probably not going to cost you a whole lot. Uh, doesn't he's an older guy? He's twenty nine years old. It's not like he's brand new in the league. He he had uh, he had a nine twenty one save percentage uh, before losing his previous game. Halak is on the list. You know, the Leafs are talking to Vancouver right now about potential trades at other positions. So you know, maybe you could find a way to. Stuff Halak into that that deal. Uh, Vegmelka, Arizona. Um, yeah, I mean, like, to be honest, you know, the other you know, another name that could potentially be out there is Corpusalo in Columbus. You know, the guy that stoned them in the playoffs a couple of years ago, but he has not really played very well ever since that series. So, that's really what you're looking at. You know, I think it's fine if you go get a Vegmelka or a Forsberg or someone like that and you're only giving up whatever, third round pick, fourth round pick whatever or or even like a halak just to give you another option i kind of think if you can and you mentioned like it doesn't seem likely but wouldn't you just try if chicago gave you permission to talk to flurry or talk to alan oh, walsh's yeah. agent and say like listen like cj uh has has kind of talked about like vegas being an option for him mm -hmm. if that's not like where I guess he could go to Washington, but maybe he doesn't want to go to Washington. Like that, that would be my focus. Like do everything I could to try to convince flurry. Right. Like, isn't yeah. that the play? I just, I, yeah, I poked around on that a little bit and I was told there's no way. So, wow. I mean, maybe that changes, but 
I don't. I. I, they, I mean, the Leafs have inquired about it. So, you, it, from talking to other teams around the league, it sounds like the Leafs have inquired about a whole bunch of stuff the last couple of weeks. I mean, they, one of the advantages, I guess, in having a big front office is you can deploy everyone to talk to every team around the league and really look at everything. And you know, it's funny that we're what are we four or five days from the deadline? Yeah, depending on if you want, if you want to count today and. We don't know if the Leafs are going to get a defenseman, a goalie, or a forward, <laughs> yeah. or two of those three things, or all three of those things. Yeah. You know, Dubas said before the outdoor game a week before that he thought they only had cap space for one move, but what if they do three moves and all of the players that they get all make under $2 million, then they can fit in three guys, right? So, uh, it's going to be, I, they're going to do something. Uh, that, you know, I don't think they're going to stand pat here and it's going to be interesting to see which of their needs they address. Well, one thing I did want to ask you and, and talk about just because we went into the season focused on the question mark of the goaltending. Looking back now, is, is there something you think they could have done differently than what they did? Because I look back at it and I'm like, the only thing, and it's not an only thing because it's a big thing. The the thing I didn't like was obviously giving Mrazek that contract. I think it was fine to let Frederick Anderson walk. Like it felt like time had come to to change course. I guess the only thing now you can look back on and say like committing to a guy who has been unreliable throughout his career like Mrazek was a huge mistake and just a reach. Yeah. I mean, how can you not say that now? Uh, you know, I mean, at the time the contract was, it, it felt like a, I, there must've been something that they saw in him that, that they felt like making that commitment because there, there's not really anything in his career that says that's what they should have done. You know, he was, when we put together our list of 16 potential options uh, for them to sign in net, he was number 10. So he was relatively low on our list. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, there's some goalies that we had higher than him on the list that have not played well this year too. So um, I think in some ways there's, there's some bad luck involved here because like, Oh Yeah. <laughs> like I, you know, I was, I was saying off the top, the goaltending position is so hard to predict, and so he gets hurt in his first know, start, yeah. and then gets hurt again. The other thing I think they could have done maybe a little bit differently is make sure you have a number three who potentially can come in and and yeah, the Hutch experience you know, is it feels like forever ago, but like that was that was him. Well, he well yeah, he can't. What was that? Five games into the season, he played. Something like that. Was hurt yeah. to start the year, yeah. and he and and Hutchinson was so bad. I remember I wrote after. I think, I think yeah, Hutchinson you did. Only played I one game. This. Hutchinson played one game, and I was like, they cannot play this guy anymore. <laughs> and I said, they. I wrote that it was like five games in the season. I said they need to trade Hutchinson for another number three goalie they can rely on, and they didn't do that. And now they're in the position where they could really use another number three goalie that they can rely on, and those guys can be hard to find, and you got to get them through waivers and whatever. But I find you look around the league, you look at how many goalies have played around the league. Like the number is, it's like well over 100 this year. It's a record in the NHL. Number three goalies play a lot of games. Look at how many teams around the league are using their number three goalie as their starter. Yeah. There's a lot. What do you think that's about? Uh, I think the position is really unpredictable. I think there was some COVID part of that. And I also think, and I haven't really fully flushed this theory out in my mind, but I think there's something with these teams that aren't playoff teams that are kind of rebuilding and in goal, one of the ways you can stealthily tank is not spend a lot of money in goal and kind of go with a bunch of guys. And I think some teams are kind of, have kind of done that. 
it's such like it's it's impossible because then you do that and then you and then you have no one you know what i mean like you you yeah. go with two wild cards and then it's like neither one pans out and you're like oh geez well i mean some people people outside toronto would say the leafs went with two wild they cards did, but like, for sure they did yeah but you look around the league and how many teams could you say that about i mean like it's just you know i, I got the the lead league leaders in save percentage pulled up here and it's like who would have predicted that it was going to look like this at the beginning of the season you know, number one, you know who number one in save percentage in the NHL is right now? Shesterkin? It's uh, some guy named Eric Schalgren. Oh, don't, James. <laughs> <laughs> if I could punch you right now, I would. <laughs> it is true, though. He's at the top of the list. 978. I, like, do you think he can maintain that the rest of the way? <laughs> James, you know which guy I actually think is kind of interesting? To- Shesterkin is number one. Okay. To, to, yeah. What about Varlamov? Now I guess the, the 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 caveat is like is is there any way that you could somehow maybe not in that trade but move Mrazek because obviously you can't do it without that. Uh, but he makes yeah, sense I mean, to Lou, me, sort of. If, if Lou want, wants Mrazek over in the island, here you go. The, the Islanders' cap situation doesn't look nearly as bad next year, so I think they're going to be able to you know add some players and i was looking at it because mayfield's name is out there is potentially getting traded like if there's some sort of deal there where you could move how about this like let's just totally i'm not no one run with this and say it's on the table or anything but what if the leafs traded like muzzin and Morazic for varlamov and mayfield something like that yeah yeah i mean for for new york it's not totally dumb like they uh, varlamov has a five million dollar cap hit for one more year Mrazek's 3.8 for two more, like... Well, if they like Muzzin and think he has Sorokin's value... their starter, yeah. Well, I mean, they love old defensemen, so... Well, they need they need a left-side guy. They got too many righties right now, and... Yeah. Could be someone they could play with Dobson, who's been yeah. unbelievable. I don't know if you watched, I like, do. Dobson's been... He's been, like, the best... Next to Kale McCarr, he's been the best offensive defenseman in the league the last little while here. So, the, so the save percentage leaders among guys who have played regularly... Mm-hmm. It's Shesterkin, Freddie Anderson, Jakob Markstrom, who I believe had sort of a down year last year and has come back in a big way. Billy Huso in St. Louis, Jeremy Swayman in Boston, Sorokin with the Islanders, Saros in Nashville, Kemper in Colorado, Tristan Jari, who like people had given up on in Pittsburgh, uh... And then, like, like some of the names on here, like some of these other. Uh, well, and James, can you, you go back a year and see what the top ten were last year, and see if any of those uh, guys not, are on there? Well, yeah, I know exactly, right? I, I mean, maybe Shesterkin was. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't. I, the site I'm looking, at, I can't easily do that. But I mean, there's even guys like Stolars and in, in Anaheim on here, and Andrew Hammond's showing up on here now. Like, it's just the position is just like. I can't imagine, you know, you you get you're a GM in the league and you got to bet your career on the randomness of of the goalie. Then that's why I would I would try and have as many guys that are like potential options as I could. Yeah, that that you could at least count on, right? Like if you have to. That's why I ne- I didn't I I've said this for years, but I didn't like their strategy of not having a backup that could come in and and be a starter if needed. I didn't like like just going with a guy that like hardly makes any money and it just it leaves you really vulnerable in with the way the position is. So to your point, last year Nedeljkovic, Varlamov, Flurry, Saros, Dreger, Vasilevsky, Mike Smith, Grubauer, 
Jack Campbell and Sorokin. A bunch of those guys are brutal this year. Yeah. Like just brutal. Grubauer and Dreger have both both been awful for Seattle. Like just terrible. And they both have huge contracts. Uh, so the only ones that are on both lists is Saros and Sorokin, which no one no one on earth would pick those two as to be like the yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's just it's 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 really crazy. It's it's tough. Uh, even Shesterkin, who's been amazing this year and is going to probably be a Hart Trophy nominee, he was a 916 last well, season. Well, and like Hellebuck was 916 this year. He's had like kind of a tough year. Um, but what I kind of circle back to, James, like even if they get one of those sideways options, I still think the guy who, who has the highest upside is Campbell. No? Yeah, but he's hurt. He's not like... Well, and it's not I just, agree. It's I not just if, that he's hurt. wasn't hurt... It's the other stuff that's like on top of the hurt. Yeah. But if he wasn't hurt right now, I I think it would be a lot more defensible to not get a goalie. But the fact that he's hurt and Mrazek is whatever, <laughs> playing, his way out of, playing his way out of the league... I, I said this on Twitter last week and it pissed some people off. But if you if you look, Mrazek's buyout is not that bad. Did you look it up? No, what is it? If you buy him out, it's really the cap hits only like a million bucks for the next four years, something like that. So right when you get Phil off, you just put Morazic back on. Well, I mean, I'm just thinking if so. I, I, I we're gonna get to the mailbag later, yeah. but uh, the first question in the mailbag was, can they even trade this guy? Well, we talked about this last week, but I think we got to talk about it again. But like, so the only reason people were mad, I was talking about the bio, but like, if you can't trade him. What do you do? You can't come back with him at 3.8. Yeah, I have it in front of me from Cat Friendly. So, it's four years, obviously, after this one. 1.033, 833K, 1.43, 1.43, and then it's done. Which is not great. But if no. you're going to retain salary to trade Morazic, it's going to have to be... You're not retaining half his deal to trade him. It doesn't make any sense because the buyout probably makes more sense than that. Well, it wasn't that long ago that like Jeff Merrick reported that teams were calling about him and the Leafs were basically saying no. But obviously, a lot has happened since then. Like, Well, they probably should have said yes. <laughs> well, we <laughs> said that at the time. I, I think the one yeah. literally we talked about was Reimer for Mrazek. Now, who knows? Would San Jose have done that? I don't know. I, I don't think they'll do it now. To tell, like, I think that they... Like, Reimer's had a pretty good year. And yeah, why would... Yeah, why would... I mean, the Leafs... We, we've gotten a lot of a lot of questions about potentially trading Mrazek. I mean, you know, and some people were saying, why don't you just trade him to Chicago for Florian? It's like, does Chicago want him? Why, why do these teams want this guy? Well, I guess if you're incentivizing Chicago, like they're rebuilding anyway, what are they, like they're going to need a goalie, right? Well, did you see Pierre Lebrun reported that if they if they trade Flurry, they're going to want a first round pick and something else. So if you tack on, you're taking back Mrazek, what are they going to want? How much are you giving up for Marc-Andre Fleury for 20 games? So, would you do that? A first-round pick and a prospect and give up more to trade Mrazek in the deal? I kind of think I would. I mean, honestly, man. Like, they're, they have... T- Matthews is up in two years after this. Like, it's... Like, what are you doing? Like... Yeah, but for a rental goalie who's 37 years old, you're going to give up... I mean, if What's they, if the alternative, if, man? If they take Mrazek off your hands next year and the year after, then I think you got to start thinking about it. Yeah, I mean that makes that makes some sense. But I, I don't, I don't know why they would <laughs> it's do that. Hard, man. I, I, I guess maybe Chicago eats the buyout and just goes. But I mean, then they're going to have that on their books for four years. 
Wow, they could just play him. Like, they don't have a goalie next year. I don't know. What do they care? They need yeah. a goalie. Yeah. Or you just throw him in the minors or I don't <laughs> I don't know. The, the what problem, a- like if, if there was just one year left on that contract, it would be, I think it would be a lot easier to get rid of it. People aren't going to want, and, and it's backloaded too. Uh, do you have the terms in front of you? He's got like 8.8 million left on that thing. Like, so if you're like a Arizona or Ottawa or whatever, you're not going to want all that money. Uh, 8.6 million left. So, so the bulk of the contract, like he's only making, his salary is only 2.8 this year. And he's got a 10 team, no trade list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm he, not going to Chicago. Thanks for that. I appreciate it. Of no. course he does. Yeah, well, the funny thing with the no trade list is sometimes the the agents and the players can like they can like game it so they just put all the teams on the on the list that you don't want to go to. Jeez. What a clusterfuck, James. What a clusterfuck. All right. Uh let's take well, a break. It's okay. They Are, got the they got the kid from Sweden no one no one can pronounce yeah. his name or has ever heard of. You know what? It's going to be so funny if they play Shogren against Carolina and he wins again. And then it's just, you know, you think it's runaway train now with the, the hype or whatever. It's, you ain't seen nothing yet, Jonas. That is like, if not the best team in the league, it's like the third or second or fourth or whatever. Well, that's kind of like, isn't that kind of what Keith was saying after the game? Was that, you know. In, in other words, yes, basically. Dallas is one thing. I like the phrase he used. He said, let's let's let the paint dry on this one before we start talking about giving him the crease or whatever. Well, I mean, you and I were talking about that Ron Wilson quote. Oh, I wish we had, if we had audio on that, it'd be great. That That's like one of the all-time bests where he said, uh, you guys, you guys in Toronto, you want to build a statue. You take, you take a guy, build a statue, knock it over and then piss on it. Yeah, that's, I couldn't see Keith saying something like that. Well, Ron at that point was just like, I don't know. He was just like in such a negative headspace. It was... Um, well, that was Reimer, I'm pretty sure. Like, I'm, Yeah, it was Reimer. That was yeah. the beginning of the Reimer experience. But it was like three days in or something and no one was... People were just like, oh, who's this guy? He's playing well. And like, there was like nothing to write about with that team. Like, it was, it was another lost season. It was a complete mess and people were like, oh, you know... Well, like at least it was something to talk about. I, you know, I mean, I liked some of the Reimer stories I wrote that year, just about where this kid came from and stuff like that. And I don't know. They, they, it's a, it's a different situation because like that was not a contending team. They were not going to make the playoffs. Like, why don't you just like embrace like there's something positive happening around your team instead of talking about pissing on statues? Pissing on statues. That's what he said. Who? Uh, how many thirty goal scorers did that team have, and who were they? That team with Reimer on it. Yeah, 2010-11. Why would they have thirty a bunch of 30 goal scorers? They had two. Well, I mean, the, the problems, that was, I started covering the team in 08. The problem with those teams was the, like defense and goaltending was their big problems, not producing offense. Like they had some pretty good offensive teams back then. Well, I don't know if I'd go that far. Some of those anyway. years, they scored a lot of goals. For the trivia folks, Phil Kessel had 32. Nick Kuhleman, 30. Oh, that was his big year. That was his big year. All well, right, let's take big, a break. That was the big Grabo year, right? Yeah, he had 29. Soon to be bought out. Uh, let's take a break. Then let's do some more talk about the trade deadline. I also want to talk a little bit about the Matthew suspension. And then we got the pod bag. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, James. So more trade deadline chatter because we are almost at the trade deadline. Um, I wrote a bit about some forwards that I think that they could conceivably be interested in. Obviously, like you mentioned, it will on, not be easy for them. Is that to, on the site? I didn't see it yet. It it went up uh, right after, or right around when we began recording. Well, so it's hard you, for me to read it when you do that. No, I don't need you to read it. Um, <laughs> but I, I still think what I've, uh, I mean, what seems obvious to me, besides the goaltending, like they still have to get a defenseman. I just, you've watched these last few weeks. And, and you can say, well, Muzzin's coming back. Well, I don't know what Muzzin is when he comes back. And even if he comes back and like, he's okay, I still think like they need to go out and get a defenseman. Where do you stand? Yeah, but who is it? Well, I created a list uh, like a month ago. It's one of those guys is now off the list. Josh Manson, Manson was number one on my list. And then after that, I was like less excited about the names. I wonder, you know, I was talking to Saad Youssef, who's our, our young, uh, great Dallas Stars writer. And I was talking to him in the press box during the game. And he was talking about Klingberg and what they might do. And I was like, you know what? Like if, if the Leafs can't do anything else, they might as well just look at Klingberg. And like as long as the yes. asking price doesn't get silly, like... Bring a guy like like he's a top four defenseman. He's a right shot. Like maybe he's not the right style of defenseman for what you want, but at least it's going to give you a guy that is experienced and can play twenty minutes a game. And he's not perfect, but if you know, it really depends what the asking price is. Well, if you can get Mayfield, Mayfield was on my list of guys, but we didn't think he'd be available. He makes sense. Um, like you said, you, you're going to have to pay for Klingberg. And, and like Dallas is like kind of like in the mix. Like they're obviously they lost on Tuesday. Sherratt, uh, I think, is going to be way overpriced. And like, I don't know how good he is. I like Justin Braun still as like a, a low cost. Maybe you can get Philly to retain half, play him somewhere in the top four. Uh, yeah. Who else on here? Right? I mean, I mean, He's not sexy, but like he's Leafs, he's more Leafs, competent than what some of what they have. I wonder if the Leafs are reluctant to go like the grab bag approach and bring in a bunch of low level guys, like sort of what they did lot because it didn't work last year. But you know, maybe they get a brawn and like a depth goalie and and a depth forward. You know, there's been there's there's a lot of smoke around uh, Mott in in Vancouver as someone that the the Leafs are looking at. And I mean, we can talk about that in in a second because I know you've. You know, you've got some other options maybe you want to get to first, but, um, you know, I, I, I wonder I, I, they could add three depth guys and maybe that helps them. Yeah. Like one of the guys I like up front is, is Ricardo Cal. Uh, if you can get, 
Anaheim to retain half his $3.6 million cap hit. I think that makes sense. It's just like, I, I think one of the interesting questions that now has come up is like, Brody and, and Hall look pretty good together. Is that something like you consider? Or, I mean, Brody and Riley up until like the later stages were obviously a really good fit. I don't know what you like if you're planning in that front office, how you kind of look at the defense. I guess it really conceivably doesn't change anything that you need a right defenseman, really. Yeah, right? you need a, yeah. I think that, I don't know. You can't get too caught up in pairings and whatever because who knows who's going to be healthy and who's going to play well together. And I think what you want to do in the NHL is have like a couple different pairings you like for each guy that you can go to when you need to. And if you just get in another, it has to be a, a right shot because you're, you're full on the left side. You know, as long as you feel like Muzzin, like Muzzin's getting real close to coming back here, Muzzin's going to be able to play another month before the the playoffs. Um, so you've got Riley Sandine, who scored a beautiful goal against Dallas, mm-hmm. uh, and Muzzin. I mean, there's your three on the left side, right? You know, so some of the rumors potentially have Dermot going out as, you know, there's a cap dump. So there's your three on the left side. And then your right side is some combination of Labushkin, Lilgren, Hall, Brody, who can also play the left side. Um, I feel pretty good about where they're at on the left side, but you add another right shot that can play in the top four. And then all of a sudden you got a, you got a ton of options, but it's, it's been interesting seeing Hall come back and play the way that he did last season lately. It's well, what it speaks to me, James, is like that Muzzin was more of a problem than I think yeah. we even thought. Because like the thing is like Hall played really well with Sandine as well. And and so I don't know. Like Yeah, what's the common denominator? Yeah. Exactly. So Although I think you know, Muzzin's numbers were quite a bit better away from Hall as well. It was just there was something of you know, Muzzin with Lilgren and Yeah, uh, I, I think I there was some unluckiness there for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, but I, I, that's a pair. I just, I, I'm not planning to put back together if I'm so, them. Like is Justin Braun in your top four in your mind playing with Riley? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So like if my, if my top four was Riley Braun, Brody Hall, and then let's say Muzzin, Muzzin Sandine. Le, Muzzin Labushkin. But then you don't want to sit Sandine. It's no, like Muzzin Sandine. I, I would play Sandine. I'd sit Labushkin. Like now maybe, I mean, it's playoffs. You could change and do whatever you want. I think they like Labushkin. Like they got him playing with Riley now and he's played well and he, he shouldn't be his, playing that high in the lineup, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, so but, I guess but so what I like about that is like uh, I think there's there's also flexibility there. Like you could go back to Riley Brody and you could go mm. Muzzin Braun. You could go like you could play Sandine on your third pair and I don't know. Like I just think like if you flip Dermot for for Braun, I don't know. That makes some sense. The money is almost the same. Something like that. Pick. Yeah, there's one of those non-playoff teams will take Dermot, and that'll be the one of the things that goes the other way and it makes the cap hits work and that's how you're going to be able to add three pieces. And especially if you get, if you get the other team to retain half, then you're like, you're banking money off that. Yeah. And that's what like the, 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 what I think is, is good for the Leafs in theory is the Manson trade kind of like set a decent price like that, that if that's what it costs for a rental defenseman, like I'm and they're going to retain, I'm okay with that. A second and a prospect. I think they ran up against the fact there were just weren't that many suitors for a guy that, that, had had a no trade clause where he could right he could kind of direct where he wanted to go 
But but James, like you could also make the case to go back to Klingberg, like to get someone just better. Now now Klingberg, like you said, is not exactly what they need. He's like defensively, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but like I just want better D than they have. Well, if I'm I mean, even if Klingberg ends up in your third pair, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous to play him there. But like, it's going to make you a better team. Yeah. Um. So some of the forwards that were interesting to me, you know, I love Cop. He he just took this really hard hit. He just came back from a concussion. It's a cop. He makes he makes all kinds of sense to me if you can somehow get Winnipeg to retain. Like he I might have, resign in Winnipeg I, at some I got point. So many cop puns if they get him. It's just gonna. Wouldn't be like, you would just love that? I just think he yeah. like I made the comparison, James. Like he's like a middle class JT Miller. Like poor man's felt too like not good enough because I think he's better than that. But I just think he could do a lot of things for them. I think he could fit with Tavares and Neander. I mean, one of the things like we probably haven't spent enough, actually not so fair. We have spent a lot of time on it is like just how poorly Neander and Tavares have been for so long. It's like, that's a well, big concern and would be a bigger concern if the goaltending hadn't imploded. It's funny. You moved Tavares and you put him up with Marner and Bunting and he looks great against Dallas. So, you know, I think I think we've been down on Tavares on the podcast the last I don't know six weeks or so, but part of it is Neilander just hasn't really been himself either. Dude, he's like that's fair. He's one of the highest paid players in the league. He has to be better than he's been. Like I just I can't go past that. It's tough. Like I I I I, I agree with what you're saying. I do not think Neilander has played well for a couple months. No, I'm not saying we shouldn't criticize Tavares. I just they he changes line mates for a game and he he looks he looked pretty good. Yeah. I mean you what pulled you up the numbers during the game yesterday, right? Like Tavares had something like coming into the Dallas game, he had something like eleven five on five points in thirty games or something like that. Yeah, and three goals. Right. Four, he added a fourth off his skate against Dallas. He he had um, a he had eleven five on five points, and Logren had ten or so. Like it was, it was really. I didn't it wasn't Angval ahead of him or so. Yeah, like it, it's really right bizarre. Yeah. What do you think about Claude Giroux? I like Claude Giroux. I've been a fan of Claude Giroux for. I remember when we at the at the paper. Right, remember he had that big breakout season. Like what was that? Like ten years ago. Yeah, where he was nine like years up ago, heart trophy. Yeah, he had like ninety some points. I remember the paper sent me down to Philadelphia, and I I, I had like a one on one with Giroux, and I did a, like a front page story on him. And he's got a great personality. Like I think he'd fit in really well in the dressing room. Uh, it sounds like he wants to go to Colorado. That that's and yeah. and, and the Avalanche have been dumping cap space. You know, with the trade they made with Tyson Yost the other day, and um. I think Drew would fit in really well with Toronto, but part of what the Leafs are going to run into is there's going to be those guys that have been playing down in the U.S. for a long period of time that have families and everything, and they don't want to go over the border and have their family stuck on the other side of the border. You yeah, know, like what, that's like a good what, point. What happened with Zach Bogosian? Well, I mean, it's it's part of the calculation for like a Josh Manson. I bet it'll be part of the calculation for for Flurry. You know, he's got a young family, Drew. I mean, the, the Leafs could miss out on some of these guys. How would you? Uh, the other thing is like. He makes like, I think it's like 8.225 or something like that. Yeah. So, it would require some... Well, you might have to do the old the old double retention move. Yeah, that they did. I love they that. Did with, they did with Foligno last year. So, I mentioned Raquel. I, I actually think he, of all the guys outside of my guy, Cop and like Miller, if you can get JT Miller, get JT Miller, right? Like, you can explain why he would fit so well, right? 
Well, he's he's a star. I mean, he was tied for sixth in league scoring last I looked. So, I mean, you're you're it's like taking a bazooka to a knife fight or something, right? Like he's he's more than what you need. Uh, and he, and you get him for next year too, which is something I really like. Like you're not just talking rental. So I'll, but you know, it, the asking price for Miller has been off. I I think they wanted Sandine. I think the Canucks wanted Sandine. So, and I wouldn't be prepared to do that. The only thing with Miller is that I was talking to to Tom Drance, our Canucks writer, the other day, and he was saying he center is not really his. He's much better on the wing, basically. Yeah. So we, okay, um, so, so we we've we've mentioned you mentioned Drew, you mentioned Cop, Raquel. Uh, you want to know my my sneaky one? Okay, I sure I sure do. His name, Alex Gal Chenyuk. Oh yeah, you've been talking about this. I like, told you that all the time. Yeah, I think like I James, just sent so you like, the gif you of have... him with that pass to Montreal <laughs> in overtime in Game Five. I get it, man. Like I I <laughs> that wrote was my like only going response. into the... my only response to you was that play. I remember writing going into the playoffs like I don't think you can trust this guy, but. Two but let's things. go get him for another playoff run. <laughs> well, if you if you can get other if, if if you can fill this little need and still get other stuff, I mean maybe that makes sense. Like he I'd literally just, makes. I'd rather get like a Mott or a Yarn Crock or like someone who's really good defensively, who like is going to give you some energy or a cop or you know. And while they're not as good offensively, you can trust them in playoff games. Fair. The player who has fit best with Neil and Tavares the past two seasons is Alex Galchenyuk. He makes nothing. He costs nothing. He has not had a good year. And you you might not want to trust him. I get that. It's just like if you were if you could go get a defenseman and maybe you can get a goalie and this guy costs you nothing and he makes nothing, like I kinda don't hate it just to potentially address the issue. Well, producer punch, can you play the audio of that pass that Galchenyuk made in, in Game Five of? Uh, I don't know. I maybe okay, it's fair. I, maybe I've I taken it. on some of the PTSD from. And the other thing too is he turned the Leafs down and went to Arizona. Like they were trying to bring him back in the off season. Water under the bridge. <laughs> yeah, well, that he guy's, fit, like, that guy's they, got a big, big bridge or a lot of water. Or however, he you want fit to, well with those guys. Like the bridge I don't might know, be underwater like, with Galchenyuk at this point. Okay, so so Jan Kruk's another one of the rentals. I, I I think he sort of makes sense. Like I just don't know how much better he is than some of the guys he has. He just feels like he's in the Kasha Kerfoot Mikheyev boat, like same kind yeah, of Yeah. But you know, he can play center, he can kill penalties, he's he, he's produced more offense than you think. He's been Seattle's leading scorer going back to early December. Um he, his contract's not that big, he's he's experienced. And I, yeah. I don't think it's the worst thing to get another one of those guys because the Leafs have to be worried about their fourth line. The fourth line has been it's it, they they can't play Simmons and Spezza in the lineup at the same time anymore. Yeah, that was I told you that was supposed to be one of my notes for Monday, uh, and I took it out. But I think it's absolutely right, and it kind of seems like they're getting to that point now. They scratch Simmons, they scratch Spezza. I just think I don't think you can play like you just said. They, I I don't think you can play both of them together moving forward, or at least in the playoffs. I just think it's too slow. You don't want to put one of them higher in the lineup either. No, and I don't. I don't. The, I don't love Spezza at center on the fourth line either. So that's they do another not reason. Either, clearly, that's another reason why I like Yarn Croc because there's another guy that you could try at fourth line center. Yeah, 
Yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, some of the guys, some of the other guys with term who are kind of long shots. There were there was talk that Connor Garland could potentially be available. That's a, a long commitment. He's not big at all, but like he's kind of like feisty and he's good defensively. Yeah, I don't know that I would that with term. Sure. I don't know. I don't know if that's the right fit right now. And another term guy was Konechny. Same same sort of thing. He signed for a while. He's more expensive. Um, but obviously, like if you're giving up assets, it's more complicated. Obviously, with their their contracts. But I mean, at least you'd get a guy more than twenty games or whatever. Yeah. So that's what I got. I don't know. Oh, so before we get to the pod bag, uh, the Matthew suspension, answer me this question. Why does past history matter sometimes? And then sometimes they're just like, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't know, man. I thought in, in past years, I've thought the like wheel of justice that people talked about was a little bit overblown. Now I just have no idea what they're going to give out for suspensions. Like, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you so look at weird. some of the plays where guys, I thought that one might have been a fine just because there's been so many like of those cross check plays that have been fines. Like, I don't think that's what it should be. I think that if you cross check a guy in the head, it should be, you know, one game every time or whatever the number they want to settle on. But that's not yeah. like you, people, people had all kinds of, of gifts that they were tweeting out of guys who got fines and they were like more egregious plays than what Matthews did. And, I can see why fans are upset. And the other thing too, and it, it's not exactly the same, but it's re- somewhat related. Like Matthews, like he gets mauled in so many games over and over and over again. And he's such a big, strong guy and a good skater. They don't call anything like that. The play that they missed in, in overtime, uh, shoot, why is the team escaping me? Wasn't it Arizona? Yeah. Like was it, it the Saturday game? Chick- Chikrin grabbing his stick, right? In overtime? Yeah. Yeah, it was Arizona. Um, Like, you miss a play like that, it just, like, underlines and highlights. Like, here's a guy who's up going to potentially win the Hart Trophy, and, like, he can't buy a call. And it's been like that for years now. And it's and then you suspend him two games for something that other players are getting fined for? Man, I don't know. It just looks weird. Yeah, CJ had a good column in the Star about that, and I think think that's right. Like, the, the one that, like, stood out to me was the Jonathan Drouin where he like literally cross checks Sagan in the head while he's on the ground or on the ice. I mean, it's like, fine. I thought it was funny, James. Like if you watch that suspension video, literally, I think one line to the next was Matthews has no history of any suspensions or fine or anything. And we're giving him two games. It's like, well, not only okay. does he not have a history of suspension or fines, he's one of the cleanest players in the whole league. Like, yeah. you know, he could be up for the lady Bing every year. It's time, by the way, it's time to get rid of the Lady Bing. It's it's the most pointless award. Let's get some awards that actually mean something. Well, like don't you like it when we vote on it every year and you just pull up the penalty minutes list <laughs> and just so pick some guys and put them in the... <laughs> what, what, James, like, how about just most improved player? How about that? Cancel out the Lady Bing, make the you, most improved you player. You just want more hardware for uh, Michael Bunting. That's what you want. I never even thought of that. You're right. Although if you if you watched last year, he was pretty good last year. All right, let's take a break and then let's get to the pod bag. Okay, James, a reminder to support your local restaurants. I, I think I'm feeling pizza in the next day or two. I think that's that's where I'm leaving. 
Okay. Well, let me know how that goes for you. <laughs> so I, I asked for recommendations. I haven't decided where. I asked for recommendations for Chinese food to our audience a couple of weeks ago, and they came through. And and uh, we, oh. we yeah, we went to a place called Sue Good, which is uh, Danforth and Maine, and it, it was it was excellent. It was it was so good. Wow, the pot is coming in handy. That's a good recommendation. <laughs> the East End James has like really just, good we're restaurants. Abusing our, we're abusing our privilege here, and just well, yeah, because I mean, the great thing is you can just get like any kind of food you want out here for sure. So there is a fish and chip place on the Danforth. I forget what it's called. I should look it up because it's so good. Do you like fish and chips? Are you a fish and chips guy? Yeah, yeah. If it's good, it is called Lens Len Duckworth's Fish and Chips. Okay, I'll check that out. Delicious. I think I actually, one time when I came to do a podcast at your house, I went there after and picked up fish and chips for dinner for us. Um, all right. Pod bag time. Go ahead. Uh, Curtis says, how much of an impact do you think playing an 82-game season is having on the Leafs and the league as a whole? They only played 56 last year without a lot of travel because of the divisions and whatever. They're back to 82 with full travel. Uh, do you expect to see there's more fatigue than normal? I mean, I think we're already seeing that. I think we're, we're going to see more injuries. We're going to see fatigue. We're going to see, there have been a lot of weird high scoring games this year. There have been, as I said, goaltending problems. There's been, there's been goaltending issues. If you look at the, the league average save percentage is down to 908, which is the lowest it's been in a long time. And, uh, you know, it's, it's good to have higher scoring hockey, but I think part of what's happening is just like scramblier games and, Less time for teams to practice. And I think the schedule is too long. Um, oh, yeah. I think, I think the NHL should be playing a 70-game season. And the playoffs should be over by like June 5th at the absolute latest. But, you know, and everyone always says, well, they're going to give up all the money and whatever. I mean, I think, you know, it's not like the NFL has a financial problem with fewer games being played. I mean, like I think you create a scarcity and a demand and, you know, maybe there are fewer games, but... You know, the prices go up a little bit and cost to advertise in those games goes up a little bit. And I think you can bridge that gap. I mean, it is pretty hilarious that the NFL is like now 17 games and is um, physical. But the, like, it's not like the NHL isn't physical and it's 82. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It, it makes no sense that the physicality of the NHL, like the guys are just... You know, I, I, sometimes you, fans will say like, oh, they're, you know, they make millions of dollars and whatever. It's not about that. It's about like the quality of the game. Like, and I think that if there were fewer games, you would see much higher level of play from the players. Like, imagine if they only played one game a week, like the NFL. Oh my God. <laughs> That'd be you know, so cool. Everyone was going all out. Um, yeah, it's just not Probably possible. not enough, but yeah. It's not possible. The guys have to, it's not enough. No. But, you know, over in some of the European leagues, you know, it's like two games a week kind of thing. Well, you know what you should do? Like, or, or sometimes I try to remind, remember, like, the days that I just feel tired, just feel a little, like, just out of it. Th those guys are, are feeling those same things, except they have, like, all this physicality that they've taken from their jobs on top of that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, imagine how your body feels after a back-to-back, -back, and then, like, you play two days later. Like, you're just... Well. Your legs are how I feel after playing one game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now they're professional athletes, but like they, their bodies are still going to not feel great most of the time. I would think. Well, it's so boring, but that's why players often say that you know the thing that I learned 
is how to like eat right and, and get lots of sleep. And, you know, I, I think the, some of the best initial players are the are so boring because they, they're going to bed at 930 every night. They don't drink alcohol. They eat really clean. That's what you have to do to be able to play at that level again and again and again and again. Like it's, yeah, it's, that's how it, you're Tom Brady and you play till you're 45. Right. You go to bed at 830. <laughs> is that what he does? Yeah, and like he doesn't eat anything bad, and like he's. I read, like a, I read this great story about Gronkowski yesterday, and it was he does uh, not do that. Chris Jones in Esquire wrote it years ago, and it was about the Gronkowski and his four brothers, who are like all basically like oh, like yeah. him, and the the dad owns like a bunch of gyms in in Buffalo. And uh, he built this house for his five boys who are all like 6'6", like 260 pounds. And because he owns like these gyms, the whole basement is just like workout equipment. And like, like, can you imagine trying to feed a family of six boys like that? And they're all like no. professional athletes. One of them played baseball and the other guys all played football. And it's, it, it's a great story. People should look it up. Uh, we are way off on a tangent here. And yeah. we, we've only answered one question. Uh Okay, you'll like this one. Um, Alex M says, if Eric Schalgren is the savior. Oh, God. <laughs> you can stop there. <laughs> he says, what do you think it'll cost the Leafs to unload Morazic, which we've talked about already. So I just wanted to read the first part just to just, get, your, get, just to get your reaction. Good job. Uh, Alex wants to know, does Morazic have any value around the league? No, he does not. No. He has, he has sub-zero value. He has you have to give up a first round pick to get rid of him value. I mean, if the if they can find a way to disappear that contract and it not costing them a first round pick or a good prospect, then my hat's off to them. Maybe they can do like their own ver- another version of the Richie trade where they get something back. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was a really good trade. Yeah, me too. It I does sound like Arizona is going to go for the second round pick though. So you know, at some point, it's going to cost them a second round pick. Uh. Is there discussions around the league over the lack of calls around McDavid and Matthews? What would it take to improve officiating? This is a tough one because the league like never comments on it and we don't get to talk to any of the people involved. And like the, the officiating is it's kind of like this clandestine thing that you don't hear a lot about how, you know, they, they rate, they, they, they mark the officials and then they decide based on who had a good year and who had a bad year, who goes on to the playoffs and things like that. But it's it's a glaring problem. Like if the imagine if they called if they called more of the penalties on Matthews, like the holding and the interference and stuff like that, then the Leafs would either A get more power plays or B, Matthews would get more room on the ice. If he gets more room on the ice, imagine what he's gonna be able to do. It's like you look you watch those old like Mario Lemieux videos and he's got like two guys water skiing behind him. It's like no shit this guy had like all these back problems and everything. <laughs> yeah. And like his career was complete. Mario Lemieux was my favorite player when I was a kid and I loved to watch him and like to watch him get dragged down and injured as a result of the league just being stupid and not wanting to you know, and Matthews has had injuries too. He's had back issues, he's had shoulder problems. It's like, is that what we want to watch? No, and I remember James like doing a story on that earlier in the year, and I planned to watch five of his games, like just all his shifts. And I think I got like through three and a half and already had like six or five or six like clear penalties that just weren't called. It's happening so. to Tavares too. You know, like he's he's been I've noticed he him get dragged. Yeah, he down had one and, the other night, yeah. Uh anyway. James B uh says, Myrtle, you're a nine foot tall alien. Are you the Leafs answer in goal? Uh, I've never played goal in ice hockey before. I used to love playing on street hockey and I, I played in soccer a little bit when I was young. 
What if they just like uh, did like the Goldberg thing and they just tied you to the posts? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they tie you lengthwise, like horizontally. I'm I'm 6'5", but I'm a lean 6'5", so I don't know. I mean, I guess with the equipment that the guys wear. When I was a little bit younger, I used to get mistaken for a goalie like walking around in the under the around the dress rooms and stuff like some of the staff would be like oh the bus is over here and i was like i'm <laughs> i'm not going to the bus you should have been um, like where's the food i'm like six five one ninety five which i get i don't know i mean that's like shalgren's lean too um no i'm not the answer in goal you know i'm a bad i'm a bad forward in beer league you don't want to see me and trying to play a position i've never played i don't think i could catch the puck i don't know how those guys do that well they're professionals in baseball, I was not very good at, at catching the puck. Uh, yeah, I mean, D- Jeremy's asking, did, do we believe that Muzzin was the cause of the struggles on the Hall pair? I mean, I don't think Hall was playing great either. I mean, there were games where he was just making mistakes with the puck and everything. I mean, there was something yes. just, there was something off about that combina- combination. Uh, Jeremy says he'd like to see something like Riley with Brody as the top pair, uh, a new acquisition in Hall and then Muzzin or Sandine with Labushkin on the third pair. So that would mean adding a left shot, which I don't think makes sense. The yeah, only left like I was th- thinking, well, Lindholm makes sense. Yeah. Well, if you can get a player that's that good, then yeah. Yeah. I don't know what Anaheim's going to want for him. Probably a lot. Well, I mean, if it was a second and a prospect for Manson, he's better than Manson. Is it like a first and a prospect? Uh, Probably. Tim P says, would it not make sense to waive Morazic, allow him to play and work out his demons in the minors? If he's claimed, no big deal. He's not going to get claimed. I'll just say that. Uh, I realize you're probably bringing up a plug, but at this point, that's what he is. Uh, the, the, the only reason I think you might waive Mrazek and send him down is to get the cap space. So when Muzzin comes off LTIR, cap space is going to be at a premium. Maybe you trade away Dermot. There's 1.5. If you bury Mrazek's deal, you get 1.125, I believe is the number this year, uh, in, in, in cap space. James, they don't have another goalie. Well, no, if they acquire a goalie, Jonas. Oh. If, if... Yeah, like if they need, if they need, the only reason I would send Mrazek down is to open up more cap space for what they're going to do at the deadline. That would be the way to do it. Hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, he's not going to get claimed. It doesn't really matter, right? Like if you wave him, I mean, who cares? Like, you know, he's not going to get claimed. Um, I don't know what you do with the last two years of the deal. But that that's an easy way. Like Jonas, if they're having a hard time freeing up more cap space, then you can just create an extra 1.1 million right there. Yeah, too bad. They need a goalie. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he qualifies at this point, though. I mean, people are so desperate, they're talking about putting me in there. <laughs> uh, Nicole, this is a good question for you. Uh, should Devara stick with Marner even when Matthews returns? No. I mean, I, I understand the, the idea. That line is has, I think, is the best line in the league. Like, there's, there's no reason to tinker. Uh, and then Jeff responds, shouldn't Matthews be able to line, drive a line with Bunting and Kasha allowing, he, I mean, that, he that line was okay. could, but like, yeah. it's too good a line. Anyway, we got a, we got a jet. That is all for the podcast. Jonas needs to go to practice and get us some line combos and see if the savior is in fact starting against Carolina. 
Talk next week, James. Goodbye.